0: You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. And it's been many moons since, yeah. we've, since we've last talked. Episode 14. We're here, though. We made it. Lucky number 14. That's right. And it's it's a snowy day here in Grand Rapids. Winter storm warning just lifted. Yeah. In fact, most of the schools around here are closed today. Snow day! Yeah. I uh, didn't plow my driveway. I think I told you about this. Out of respect for my neighbor's observance of the Sabbath, I decided not to plow my driveway on Sunday. This is a good story. And then I woke up this morning and... My neighbor's brother had come and plowed their driveway overnight, leaving mine completely full of snow. So this is what happens, kids. When you practice grace, you get, you get snowed in <laughs> more ways than one. <laughs> but here we are. I made it out of my driveway to the, the offices of the Graduate Studies Program at Grace Bible College. Coming to, to you live. This morning final exam week at Grace Bible College. It is, which is exciting if you're not a student. I always liked finals as a student as well, mostly because of all the junk food that was available. Yeah, they're not doing those this year. Really?
1: Yeah, only only at the end of the year. Oh, they're just going to hand out like carrot sticks and stuff? I think there were. there. Was, I mean, it's a pretty labor-intensive effort to get all of those snack bags together. Fair enough. Plus, kids overdose on Monster these days, and it's not <laughs> not good. Monster. I haven't slept for three days. I love Chris BabelCon.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. But the snow on the ground is a good reminder for us, at least in West Michigan, that Christmas is on the way. We are, today we're recording this on the 12th of December, so we are 13 days away from Christmas. That's right. My kids are counting down. Less than two weeks. That's great. What are you doing? for Christmas? We always go to my in-law's house, and it's
1: actually a, a big ethical dilemma this year, as you may know, mm. as a pastor of a small ah, church. Yes. The Christmas Sunday. falls on Sunday morning. The Sunday Christmas. And so we have to decide, are we going to church? Are we having a Christmas Eve service somewhere? Because our family tradition, at least, is that we go to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Bright and early. Bright and early for Christmas breakfast. But Grandpa's a pastor. But Grandpa's a pastor, only he did a preemptive strike on Christmas. <laughs> oh, no. And scheduled a Christmas Eve service, no church, Sunday morning. Interesting. So if Gary Spikerman cancels church, which he didn't do. He <laughs> rescheduled it for Christmas Eve. But if Gary Spikerman's not having church Sunday morning,
0: then automatically the a, whole world is absolved from church a, Sunday morning. a clear, yeah. So what are you guys going to do? What? Well... Are you are your your personal church?
1: Are you guys Our church is having church Sunday morning? We will gather as a local body of believers and worship Sunday morning. Worship the birth of the Messiah. I asked someone, I made the mistake of asking a person who goes to my church last night, just what do you think of having church on Sunday? He said, Well, I'm not doing anything else. (laughs) Where else am I gonna be? (laughs) Besides, it's the perfect day. I'm like, oh sorry. I asked.
0: You are hoping that they would say they weren't going, so then you <laughs> right. feel good about He's, not right. going. He's like, absolutely, I'm going to be in church <laughs> on Sunday morning. Christmas gonna... Day. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I look forward to hearing how this works out. It's all going to play out really interesting. We're going to put up a tweet poll.
1: Yes. To see if what, what you're doing out there. You are listeners. Will you go to church Sunday morning? Will you skip church Sunday morning to do family activities? Maybe you'll be traveling. Maybe you'll have a Christmas Eve service if you like you got your church in.
0: Yeah. Well, we're, we're having a Christmas morning because we are Christians, so we are going to have a Christmas morning service. Gary Spikerman, if you're listening. Just kidding. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing our normal service at 10 o'clock, but <clears throat> so I think some of our listeners know that I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and so m- my wife and I are going to travel with our three-month-old baby home or to Seattle to be with my family on Christmas Day. So I scheduled my flight because, you know, I could either fly later in the afternoon and get in at like 11 o'clock with the time change and everything, and then, you know, Christmas is over. Might as well just come the next day. But there was one flight that leaves, that arrives in Seattle at around 4.30 in the afternoon, but leaves Grand Rapids at 12.10, 12.50, 12.50. That's a tight window if you're going to church that morning. So, yeah, the service starts at 10 o'clock. It's it's going to be an hour-long service, hour and 15-minute service. I figure even if we leave by 11.15, so here's my plan. I'm going to do my sermon earlier in the service. We're going to end with a celebration of music. And during that celebration of music, I float right out the back door. Skip town. Yep. So that's our plan, to kind of to kind of get the best of both worlds in. But this year, honestly, it's it's actually been a little bit of a relief from the question of what are we going to do, because our church doesn't really have a strong tradition one way or the other of Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. In fact, we kind of go back and forth when Christmas is in the middle of the week, you know. Sometimes we do a Christmas Eve service, sometimes we do a Christmas morning service. So every year it's this big debate, what are we going to do, what's better for people, because the thing with... with Christmas time, and I think any pastor out there is aware of this, it is important to have to give our congregation time to spend with their family. You know, that's as much as the Christmas story and the the biblical nature and and essence of the story is there, um, there is, I think, something just important about being able to spend time and celebrate the birth of Christ with our, our immediate close family. And so we don't want to schedule too many things that people either feel obligated or they have to cancel too many of their family events, but we also want to help people to have a focused celebration or a focused awareness during this time. So it's always hard to kind of go back and forth and decide what we're going to do.
1: It is a difficult balancing act and we had the same conversation with our church leadership. And you do as you do every year and you're trying to negotiate kind of the four or five weeks of Christmas that you get, because as soon as Thanksgiving's over, we're into Christmas songs. Right. It's sort of this unstoppable
0: thing that happens because culturally everyone shifts gears to Christmas. Well, and the the church calendar advent begins generally Mm -hmm. the Sunday right after Thanksgiving for the most part. We'll talk more about that later. For sure. And...
1: So we're singing Christmas songs and it's still November and there's kind of a weird time compression that happens leading up to Christmas. So uh, we're singing like, born is the king of Israel and it's November
0: 30th or something like that. (laughs) I thought he
1: was born on Christmas. Why is it November and we're singing he's been born?
0: This year, every year we do this, usually the first Sunday of Advent, we still have our Thanksgiving decorations up in the church. So we have like all these gourds and cornucopias and stuff, and we're singing Christmas songs. It's weird juxtaposition.
1: It is. And I've often thought about, um, you know, we've been to an Easter service yeah. a time or two, and often because our churches don't always do a good job of celebrating Good Friday, mm-hmm. we have to compress Good Friday into Easter. Yeah. And so you end up singing a lot of songs yeah. about Jesus dying on the cross and his suffering and yeah. his, his death for our sins. And and then you sing some resurrection songs. Yeah. But I've always felt like it would be great if we could concentrate on the death of Christ on Good Friday yeah. and then really sing about resurrection on Sunday yeah. and really build that into our rhythm as we worship. Christmas is the same way, only it lasts longer mm-hmm. even than that time compression in Easter. So how do you consider all of those factors and then come back to what you were saying about trying to make that special, trying to make Christmas itself the special observance. Yeah. When you've already had four or five weeks of Christmas.
0: Yeah. Like the actual Christmas day. What makes the Christmas service different than all the other services that you had leading up to it? Yeah. That's a, that's a interesting question. But I think a lot of it has to do with the, the focus mind that we have during the entire Advent season, and whether or not your church actively celebrates it as the Advent, um, like Matt said, there is this cultural build-up towards Christmas, and I think a lot of that is um, kind of holdover from from the Christian calendar being a main cultural drive that people we don't realize it anymore, and we we maybe blame shopping. You know, and I'm sure the the shopping malls have have capitalized on this, but I think there's just something innately human about longing and looking forward towards the Christmas day. It's such an important event. Like we don't have a four week celebration leading up to Fourth of July or St. Patrick's Day or whatever, you know, but Christmas is different where just naturally everybody starts to tune in to to what's going to happen on this day. And it's this big climax on Christmas morning, um, but yeah, so our church for the last I don't know decade or so, uh, we've been celebrating with the Advent season, um, working through the different Sundays of Advent. We usually have the Advent wreath and the candles lit, which I think is a a really cool physical representation of this building, you know, this build up. So we just had this last week was the third Sunday of Advent, which is the pink candle. Any pink candle fans out there? Woo. We don't know why the candle's pink, but it's pink for some reason. It's gotta reason. be a good reason. For Google that. it and hey Google, why is the candle pink?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know the answer to that.
0: <laughs> Go ask a church father. But yeah, so we, we lit the we lit the candle <laughs> and it it it's this building, you know, like <clears throat> We you see the first two candles and they're smaller, you know, because they've, they've melted and they've been going and there's just this longing, this building up to this final day. Um, but we have personally found at our church that that's a great way to um, keep people focused in on the Christmas season as we move through and to also bring a little bit of variety. So we're not just preaching four sermons about you know, baby Jesus being born in a manger, which you could, and that's great. The characters of Christmas. Yeah, we kind of do some different stuff every week, yeah. And so we, uh, this year and in the years, couple years now, have been working through kind of an alternative Advent schedule, alt-Advent, we could maybe say. Uh, And this is something that has been spearheaded by our buddy Gary Hansen, who was On the pod, I think episode two. Way back on episode two. Back in the old days. Um, But he's really um, been focusing on Advent and what that means to the Christian church and the Christian community. And so he's put together um, this Advent uh, observance booklet. And the themes for this are a little bit different. Rather than, I don't know, what is the the traditional, like peace, joy, um, love, hope. I think it is probably something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. These ones are, the first week is the week of longing. The second week is the week of fear. Um, The idea is that there's fear all throughout the Christmas story. The characters are all afraid of something. Uh, But then we move into peace, humility, and then on Christmas day, we focus on incarnation and light. And so it's a little bit of a different Uh, approach to the Advent season, but we felt it to be super helpful, especially those first two weeks where it's a little bit darker, right? We talk about Mm -hmm. longing. We talk about the Messianic expectations of the Messiah and the hope of what this is going to come. And now just this last week, we've kind of moved into the more traditional ideas of peace uh, and and what that means. And so I have found that for our congregation, it helps us to kind of do Christmas together and to kind of not reclaim Christmas, put the Christ back in Christmas, but to at least do it in a way that we can embrace this longing and this, this build-up that culture does, but do it in a way that's reflective of the Christmas story.
1: Yeah, it's also different. When you talk about the candles and you talk about the themes that you're using for uh, your preaching and for your services... And I'm sure there's music to go yeah. with those different <clears throat> themes. Right. Uh, so you're you're choosing your Christmas songs um, for the congregation intentionally, mm-hmm. not just saying, "Oh, what would we like to sing?" Yeah. Or what's more, what's traditional? So we make sure we get everyone's favorite carol mm-hmm. in. Uh, but they're but they're framed intentionally around a theme to create that sense of longing and expectation for people, and it's uh, it's so different of an approach to Christmas than anywhere else outside, it makes what you do on Sunday morning that much more impactful because it's shockingly different than yeah. what you see at the mall yep. or what you see on TV,
0: what you see in your neighborhood. Yeah, it's a very formative liturgy, if we could use that word, that it it, it shapes us in that way.
1: Now how, you said you've been doing this for, <clears throat> for 10 years yeah. at Celebration Church. What advice would you give to maybe pastors who are out there who think, well, oh, that's kind of a neat idea. I like that, but I couldn't do it all at once with my congregation. It would be too jarring. Mm-hmm. It would be too shocking. I don't want them to think that we're becoming Roman Catholic by right. celebrating Advent or right. anything
0: like that. How could we, like, ease into this? Uh-huh. Well, I think and the, the best way to do it is, like you said, there is going to be naturally this build up to Christmas that people are going to do whether or not you call it Advent. Um, you know, your music director, or if you are doing the music, there's probably going to be Christmas songs that are being sung in the mix here. But I think from maybe a teaching preaching perspective is you can just preach the themes of Advent. Don't, Don't call it Advent and don't say anything about, you don't even have to explain what Advent is, but just preach the themes of Advent. If you want to go more traditional and preach hope, joy, love, peace, you know, or do something more like this, I think that's a way that you're just doing it and you're you're shaping the identity of your church through your preaching and your teaching um, that the congregation is naturally going to begin to pick up on that stuff and it probably will take a few years like any um, habit or any sort of you know, you know thing that you're you want to make as part of your identity it takes a while for it to, to set in but you just do it you do it for the for the next few years or so I think If you get to a point where, you know, and again, maybe your church is super anti-ritual, anti-liturgical practice or whatever, for good reason. I think a lot of churches maybe see that as misplacing focus on worship, and that's fine. Um, But maybe a a good way to kind of introduce that is the candles. I know the candles can kind of scare people, um, but the candles, I think, are a great first step in that direction of kind of embracing the buildup, because there is that physicalness to it, right? You actually see the candles being lit and the the wreath or the the line of candles, however you do it, moving forward, right? It's this physical, tangible thing that you can see, touch, feel that represents what you're teaching and also represents this entire mood of the church during this time. And so I would really encourage that if you can pull that off, to to do the advent candles and to research about them uh, and make that a part of of your your celebration.
1: How have you gone about to teach your congregation this about what Advent like, is? Okay. Yeah, okay. And yeah, and as you do the candles, <clears throat>
0: you introduce it, and you're yeah. Every year we we say um, you know we do this every year, but just as a reminder, if you're new around here, this is how we do it, and we just kind of explain what the Advent season is. Um, interestingly, to go way deep into where Advent fits in the, the the ancient traditional church calendar which is something Christians have been following for you know hundreds and hundreds of years Advent traditionally marks the beginning of the church calendar and so the whole way of marking the year begins with the first Sunday of Advent and so um, kind of explaining people in that way not saying, that the church calendar is like the thing that you have to use, but say this is a way that Christians have ordered their years, their year around scripture rather than ordering their year around, um, you know, tax season or shopping season. Shopping season, yeah. Christians order their year around the life of Christ, really, uh, of the birth and the death of Christ, kind of as this focal point. And I think that kind of helps people to understand, like, oh, so this isn't just like, people want to do this because lighting the candles makes them think they're going to heaven or whatever, but it actually helps people to see that there's a reason that Christians have been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, And even though kind of the modern American evangelical church has pushed away from it, um, there's a lot of value there that we can still gain. And so I just explain that in like some really Mm -hmm. basic details, but I also try to be sensitive to, um, the people who maybe are a little more weary of that stuff and say you know like this is not this is nothing more than a tool that helps us in our faith this isn't uh, a work that we're doing in order to to win or gain or whatever our salvation And you know and just trying to be sensitive and that's always the key with anything anytime you're introducing something new recognizing that there are people that it's gonna scare or they don't want to do it and that's okay just you know lead them Shepherd them in a way that's loving. So what do, I mean, what do you guys do at your church? You said you've been starting to sing Christmas, but do you guys do Advent? Do you, or do you just kind of? We just started this year. Our pastor Caleb okay. Beefus,
1: yep. who we should have on the podcast yeah, at absolutely. some point, has been preaching the themes, just like you mentioned. Cool. And so I think that's a great step in in moving our congregation toward thinking about these weeks Mm -hmm. leading up to Christmas in a more intentional way and maybe being clicks forward in terms of how we structure Mm -hmm. our worship. Our uh, Christmas season at our church is much more geared around traditions in our church, Mm -hmm. I think, which don't necessarily have to do with scripture or worship per se, other than the big events of Children's program. Right. Big deal. We had ours yesterday. And church Christmas dinner. Oh. And then that's a big uh, potluck fellowship meal uh, with some activities. And we had that last night. And we'll do Christmas program for the children next week. And um, when does Sunday school end? (laughs) That's So that you get two weeks off of Sunday school. Everybody loves that. And our... Those two traditions of children's program and uh, Christmas dinner have been consistent yeah. for the life of our church for ever since we've been there, I would say. And we participate in it. It's a big undertaking to to put that together, mm-hmm. to lead it. Whether it's very in-depth or whether it's very simple, it's become a really
0: beloved thing. And I think that's great. I mean, that's what... That's what makes the local church such a special entity is that you can do things like that and you create the same sort of traditions that you create like with your family. Exactly. And that's important. And the, our
1: fellowship event last night was great. I think we had more people at the Christmas dinner than we had in church that morning.
0: Which <laughs> Interesting. Is, I mean, it was a snow snowy it's day. Snow day, yep.
1: But that was really exciting to see that people want yeah. to be together. They want to come yeah. together and spend time and yep. go to the work of decorating tables and bringing in their dishes, you know, it's not paper plates, it's, it's dishes and, um, nice fellowship activities and candy cane hunt for kids and everyone's together, um, wherever they are. And that's, that creates a good opportunity for real life ministry to happen Mm. because it's not Sunday best. People are not necessarily putting their best foot forward like they would on a Sunday morning. They're themselves a little bit more, Mm -hmm. a little bit more relaxed and people are hurting even during this season, it's easy to forget that in the pace of Sunday morning, yeah. that there's a lot going on in our churches that is
0: behind the scenes, and, and these are really hard times for people. Yeah, yeah. That I think that's that's super important to understand, and it's in in many ways, the the Christmas season kind of uh, expands on hurt in some ways, especially if people have if, if they're grieving someone who died especially during this for this year, and this is the first Christmas they're celebrating without mm-hmm. that person. Pastors, if you're out there, just be super sensitive and aware of that, that this is a hard time for people. And just, you know, maybe an extra phone call or a visit um, or a card or something I think is important. But also there are people that just have really bad relationships with their stepdad or their kids or whatever, and the Christmas season either brings the tension of, man i wish i could get together with this person but they don't want to see me anymore or you do get together and it's just a fight or whatever and so while there is this joy in this you know like you said there are people that are hurting and the christmas season can kind of double that a little bit so it's easy to mask all
1: all of the joy that christmas brings when things are going well yeah for people but you've also got marriages that are breaking up, children that are hurting with families being torn apart. And this is just a reminder that this is the end of a chapter or the beginning of a new chapter and it's not looking good right now. So how does the birth of Christ affect me in that suffering?
0: And at the same time, maybe you have an opportunity in your teaching or your preaching or your ministry to maybe bring that message of new life and Emmanuel of God with us in a way that encourages people to maybe rethink maybe their their marriage is on the rocks right now but you teach them and you remind them of the importance of you know being being present in the same way that Christ was present in us you know Christ entering into our world God being a part of us Regardless of our stupidity and regardless of our mistakes, maybe we'll encourage a husband who is detached to say, you know, what? I need to be present, you know. And so you have an opportunity not only to console people and to comfort people and to shepherd people, but also to lead people in a direction where maybe uh, this is a Christmas season where their marriage is saved rather than where their marriage falls apart. And so yeah, the heightened awareness of everything that happens in this Christmas season—I love it, and it's, it's so important and fun, but it can also be weighty.
1: It's definitely true that we want to challenge people with all these really deep themes that are that are life-altering, but all of that can be also very theologically rich and heavy. Yes, and it's heavy like eggnog. Like a heavy cream eggnog. Yes.
0: <clears throat> Are you an eggnog with... fan? I am. Me too. I know that eggnog is a polarizing beverage. You're either in or out. I am all in. I'll As tell you I. that
1: right now. <laughs> Got two eggnog fans here in the studio. <laughs> New tweet poll. Yeah. Do you like eggnog, eggnog, hot cider,
0: hot cocoa? Only one? Desert Island drink? <laughs> Snowy Island drink? You're gonna be stranded at the North Pole, and you could only bring one hot beverage. What would it be? So you you drink your eggnog hot? <laughs> no, <laughs> what? <laughs> one holiday beverage. You know, and I am kind of a coffee snob. I think people would, people who know you know that me that that's I try true. not to be a jerk about it. But you'll drink your Starbucks. Yes, and every year I have to drink an eggnog latte. They're, They're so, so good. good. Dude, but speaking of eggnog, and I'll give a little pitch to the greatest coffee shop in Grand Rapids. Madcap is the best coffee shop in Grand Rapids. Probably, perhaps the best coffee shop in Michigan. Perhaps the best coffee shop between Chicago and New York. I'm going there. It's, it's just... It's, it's way a, up there. It's big league. It's big league <laughs> Big league. <coffee>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, the last two years, Madcap has served a ginger nog which is essentially an eggnog latte except it's not hot. The espresso's hot, but then it it's poured into a a tepid glass of eggnog. It is I uh, it's Can we go there and get one right now? It's the bee's knees. I'm heading there this afternoon, so yeah.
1: I like to make my own eggnog.
0: Do you really? Yeah. Scratch?
1: Yeah. Yep, from scratch. Hand-beaten egg, egg So lights. what actually
0: goes into it? I've always wondered this.
1: Uh, let's see. It's like a little bit of egg yolk, a little big, bit of egg white, a lot more egg white actually. Really. And you get that really really frothy like not to meringue level but almost to meringue. Soft level. peaks? Yeah. And then you pour your cream or your milk or whatever your yeah. dairy mixture is into that along with your vanilla and spices and sugar. Interesting. You're like you boil
0: it? You like no, you make it hot. No, you don't boil it. You make it. it
1: cold. You make it cold. Keep it cold. Interesting. And then if you if you make it right, it will be like um, Alton Brown says, a custard pie in a cup. Interesting. Like that thick? Yeah. Like the drink is here, and then about half of the drink is the cream custard on top. Uh, like, super foamy and thick. i have to try that. Yeah. I'm a connoisseur.
0: Okay. Yeah. No store-bought. Yeah. Okay. Man. My bad.
1: But I'll have to try this, this Madcap thing that you mentioned because yeah. that sounds really delectable. It
0: is. It is good.
1: What about Christmas music on the radio? <laughs> What's the deal? <laughs> now, let me just well, say there are some songs on the radio at Christmas time that I don't need in my life. <laughs> let me list a couple of them. Okay. You, maybe you have your own Jingle Bell
0: Rock. Well, but Jingle Bell Rock is always associated with Home Alone. Is that mind. why people love it? In my mind it is at least. I've never got never got that movie. Doo doom doom doom. That's a great lead in though. Anytime you do that you know what song's coming up next. I know to turn the station. <laughs> well you may not like Jingle Bell Rock. Well, I, I don't like I don't like the first Noel. Oh, you don't like car- you're bringing Carols into this? I'm bringing Carols into this.
1: The Angels did say. Okay, because yeah. here's here's the deal with the first Noel. Okay. The first Noel sounds like what a Christmas song would sound like if I wrote it. <laughs> and I'm saying it would sound mundane, pedestrian, and terrible. Those rhymes?
0: The angel, the, did, King of
1: Israel. <laughs> the angel did say in fields where they lay, <laughs> That's like, like one word... One syllable words that rhyme?
0: That's the equivalent of my songwriting abilities. Well, what about Christmas in Hollis? There's a lot of one word rhymes there. Run DMC? That's a great one. <laughs> one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. Paul McCartney, Wonderful Christmas Time. It's just classic. It's, it spans generations. That is a song, well, like Paul McCartney, <laughs> is a song that never seems to age. And I will sing that one forever. Oh, the David Bowie being Crosby—that's a winner too. Peace on earth. That's a good one. I just listened to that. It's a classic, day. yeah, for sure. But speaking of Christmas music, I—I uh, kind of have this thing where we all know, well, hopefully we know, that the cultural understanding of what happened during the Christmas story is so not based on scripture yet it is continually... Perpetrated. Perpetrated. On an unsuspecting population. Yes. Through the church. Christmas pageants, right? And Christmas music and all of this, like this idea... Live nativities? Yeah, and this idea of, first of all, that Mary is riding on a donkey, nine months pregnant, and she pulls up to a hotel, which is not the Greek word. It's not hotel. It's guest house. But the idea Probably that, of Joseph's relatives. Yeah. Exactly. And so this idea that she she is riding up to a hotel, she knocks on the hotel door and the hotel innkeeper looks at her and says, Oh, there's a nine month pregnant woman in labor I'm not gonna let her stay here. I'm gonna send her out to the to the barn. Like, that's just ridiculous to think of any culture that would do that. And when you read the, the text, that's not what happens. She goes to a guest house, Joseph's relatives, right? Because that's where he's going, because for the, census. the census. And uh, there's, no room, there's no room there. And so she probably ends up at the, the lower level of that house, right? The guest room is a, probably on the second floor. She's probably in the lower level where the animals are humble circumstance she lays him in a manger where the animals eat but it she's probably not in a barn she's probably not in a cave it might not even be at nighttime she probably doesn't have the baby the minute she walks into the house she could have been a whole month or two months there all it says is that and the time came when the the time came came. to pass that she had to have her baby and so i all of that to say did the wise men arrive yeah, The arrive, and the shepherds are all there and together. Somebody let the, the cattle inside the house and like, what's going on here? All that to say, I got to find myself, I got to find that balance between not ruining like this beloved image of Christmas that people have in their mind, but also finding a way to kind of reclaim a little bit of biblical integrity of what actually is happening in the story. Because I think the story itself is better than our, our cultural picture but you don't want to be a Grinch and be like, "Oh yeah, all of those things in your house and all those pictures in your house and all your ornaments are all wrong and inaccurate and that's not actually what happened." But you know, finding a way to 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 be nice about that that's always that's always a Christmas dilemma for me. And it and, comes and when the songs, and so that's why. And for many pastors,
1: because the even the Bibles are changing now. Right. They because are if moving the guest house. Yes. A new NIV. it's Guest, guest house. Yeah, guest room. And yep. suddenly people are wondering, what the heck happened to my Christmas story? I can't trust my Bible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> my Bible's wrong. It doesn't say hotel. <laughs> it doesn't say inn. It doesn't say tumble down stable. <laughs> yeah. If you're describing uh, the stable, you have to use this the word is, tumble down.
0: This is a 21st century problems. This is this is the fight that we need to stand for. Well,
1: it, it all has to do with leaving the King James version behind. Yes, as a cultural artifact, but
0: Christmas never would have changed if we all kept the King James version. <laughs> but that's for another podcast. But uh, let me actually give a little tip there, since we're kind of winding down here. Rather than books and um, what do we usually ask highs and lows and books, let me recommend some music for you. Um, there is a, a group called Page CXVI. Which is the Roman numeral 46 CXVI? A C note's a 100. Oh. Okay. Well, somebody figure that out. CXVI. <clears throat> I can't do that in my head. Yeah, someone figure that out. But the group is called P- Page CXVI. The name is from uh, a page in a C.S. Lewis book that they like. But it's uh, this girl and her friends, which is usually what a band is. But they, their goal is to reimagine hymns. Um, And so to approach the the richness of the Christian hymn tradition in a way that's maybe a little bit more relatable to people who, to to a younger generation, but not so much as like the Chris Tomlin kind of redoing the whole thing. Um, But they're just this great band, this really small little indie band. um, And they do an advent uh, called Advent to Christmas, it's like five or six songs. where they kind of reach into the, the richness of the Christian carol, Christmas carol tradition, and, uh, and play some songs. And I found them to be super helpful. They're on a tour right now, kind of crisscrossing the United States, and they're playing in, like, churches, and a lot of the concerts are free. And so if you get a chance, check them out. Um, but Page CXVI, they're streaming on Apple Music, so you can get them there. But you can buy their album, support them. Uh, but I that's a highly recommended Christmas um, music. If you're if you're if you're tired of the first Noel, and you need mm. something different, or Jingle Bell Rock, or Jingle Bell Rock, but you're not quite ready to sing Wonderful Christmas Time with your congregation on Sunday morning, uh, page CXVI, Advent to Christmas. Check it out. I'd also recommend
1: if you haven't done it in a year or two or three, uh, taking in the Nutcracker. I oh. got a chance to do that this week with my daughter, who's ten, and just to see the the ballet, and hear the music was awesome, and in fact, the very next day, I came home and I listened to the entire Nutcracker suite, yeah. again, straight through, and it's just very powerful
0: and gets you into the holiday spirit if you need a, a little Christmas boost. Well, it's a great artistic expression and yeah, Tchaikovsky obviously was one of the greatest musicians of all time, and sometimes it kind of gets, you know, a little campy because it's, oh, it's the Nutcracker, and you it's, do it every year, and you hear it on, like, the Lexus commercials or whatever, but yeah. If you don't just listen to the dance of the sugar plum fairies, you know, if you listen, the,
1: the scope of the whole thing is really profound and dramatic. And when we saw it, I didn't realize that they switched Claire's on me. Like, they did such a good oh. job switching from the yeah. little girl at the beginning to yeah. the, the ballet dancer yeah. in the middle. Like, how did she age? She looks older to me now, but but wait a second, they switched dancers on me. So I had a very magical experience at the
0: Nutcracker. So, yeah. You were swept away. I was no transported. <laughs> to 18th century Russia. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, that's it for us in our Christmas special. Merry Christmas to all. And to all a good pod. Thanks for listening, everybody. We, I know we kind of got a little rambly here today, but as is what happens on Christmas, we hope that you have a meaningful Christmas. If you're, if you're pastoring, don't let Christmas get to your head. Don't think you need to perform any, any more than you normally think you have to, but just be faithful and preach about Christ being with us because that is that's it. That's the reason for the season. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was trying not to. I was trying really hard not to. But I couldn't. Thanks for listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll
1: see you on the flip side. See you in 2017, everybody. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shemaria and me, Matt Lovren. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us... Make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation.